You're listening to Law and Gospel on this Wednesday, August the 9th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and what we've been doing on Wednesdays is taking a look at Proverbs. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. This is entitled, Advice for Living with Your Neighbor. And the neighbor that's being talked about here is a neighbor who is really trying to make use of you. It is not a neighbor who really loves you, but is trying to make sure that the neighbor looks good because of what you can do for them. Verse 1, when you sit down to eat with a ruler... Observe carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you are given to appetite. Now, what does that mean? This is why you need a full-time pastor who's been trained in the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek. I'm not one who can speak it fluently, but I am a person who has been trained to be able to look up the Hebrew and the Greek, etc., and tell you what they really mean. And here, we're using Scripture interprets Scripture. What God is saying is there are rulers who want to use you, and so be careful when you sit down to eat with them. And if you are given to a big appetite, well, it's better to put a knife to your throat than to eat what they're giving you. Why? Well, the next verse three explains it. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. So what God is talking about here is you may sit down with a ruler and think that, boy, that is really pretty good. But who knows what's really in the mind of the ruler? And so be careful. Do not crave his delicacies. Not only his food, but the words that he uses towards you. Can you think of an example where a ruler was making use of a subject he really didn't like? Well, that reminds us of the Old Testament, King Saul and David. David killed Goliath. And after that death, the people were praising David. And Saul, King Saul, got very angry at that. But he brought David into his home. He even involved him in a wedding and gave him food. And it wasn't for Absalom, David would have been killed by King Saul. And so there's an example 
of David being brought into the house of a ruler, but the delicacies of the ruler, his food, his words, well, they were really deceptive. And it goes on with verse four. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. So what God is telling to us is if you're after wealth, well, be careful. Don't wear yourself out. Be discerning enough to desist from the delicacies of a person who's trying to make use of you for his own ends and not for the ends of God. Why? Why should you not toil to acquire wealth? That's verse five. When your eyes light on it, that means the riches, they are gone. Suddenly, it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. Now, in the United States, 90% of new businesses fail within a year and a half. That happened to me. I had opened a store and from KFUO listeners had received many items of clothes and books, etc. And I would have that store open on Saturday mornings. People would come in and they would buy. And they're really, really cheap because most of it was used. But because they were so inexpensive, I wasn't even making enough money to pay for the rental. And so in less than a year and a half, I closed down the shop and gave a lot of it to charity. So there was an example where I thought I would be able to earn some additional funds by selling items and was really unable to meet the costs. The riches suddenly sprout wings and flew like an eagle toward heaven. Verse six kind of continues. Do not eat the bread of a man who is stingy. Do not deal or desire his delicacies. Now, that's the same as verse three about not desiring delicacies. But here Solomon gives another kind of characteristic of the person, namely a man who is stingy. Now, what does that mean? Well, it really means a person who is tight-fisted. That is, he really desires his own money. He may be an employer, that is, 
not giving his employees sufficient funds to earn a living, take care of their family, and feed them. Do not eat his bread because what's he doing? He's giving you his delicacies, but they are deceptive because he has a purpose to use you and you do not want to be used by someone who is stingy or tight-fisty. Now, sometimes it's hard to decide such a person, but in the more conversations that you hear, you can usually ascertain that. Verse 7 continues to talk about this stingy, tight-fisted man. For he is the one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. What does that mean? His heart is not with you. It's when you're talking to a person who really doesn't mean what they say. Some employers may really compliment the employee, but not because he really thinks they're doing a good job, but because he wants them to work harder for him so he can earn more money. So this is a really good section of Proverbs where it has advice for living with a neighbor who is found to be tight-fisted or his using his delicacies to get you to do what he wants. He was inwardly calculating. Now, what does that mean? Well, when he talks to you, he doesn't want you to become his enemy because then you won't work hard for him. So he'll compliment you. It's, it's like hiring someone to do your lawn, to cut your lawn. And a young boy does it. And if you had a professional come in and do it, it might cost you $50. But you give him only $5 for cutting the lawn. And even though he may not do it as perfectly as a professional, you still compliment him, giving him the impression that you really like what he's doing, but you're getting away with saving $45. So what does God say about you who desire the delicacies of a person who is deceptive? Verse 8, you will vomit up the morsels that you have eaten, and you will waste your pleasant words. You see, an employee who is complimented by a tight-fisted employer will often have a conversation complimenting his employer. But the fact is that the morsels that you eat, you will waste and vomit up.
because you will not achieve fairness. You're dealing with a deceptive person. So don't waste your pleasant words telling him how wonderful he is when in reality he is not wonderful. Verse 9 is even better. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Now, what does that mean? Well, the key word here is fool. If you take a look at the book of Proverbs, Solomon uses certain words to portray unbelievers, and a fool is one of them. Have you ever had a conversation with an unbeliever? I've had that over the radio on Law and Gospel on KFUO a number of times. They do not believe what the Bible has to say about, well, infant baptism or the Lord's Supper. And the more you talk to them, the more they will despise your good words. And so at times, don't waste your pleasant words because they will despise the good sense of your words. That, that's another word used in Proverbs. The sense of God refers to his wisdom and that wisdom is from the Holy Spirit. But when you waste your pleasant words towards someone who is calculating to misuse you, he will despise the good sense of your words. Now, the proverb repeats an earlier proverb that we had done two weeks ago. Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless. Now, who is the fatherless? The fatherless are orphans. They own fields. The ancient landmarks had been put up by their previous relatives, and that is their land. And Solomon is saying, do not remove those ancient landmarks and put them in areas so you have more land taken from orphans. In other words, that is wrong. But then Solomon Christianizes why it is wrong. He gives a spiritual reason Verse 11, for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their cause against you. Now, the word redeemer is used in the Bible to refer to someone who saves you from evil. Uh, for example, when Ruth and Naomi returned to Israel. She was very upset 
because there was no one to continue the line. Her husband had died and the two men that had married her daughters. Well, guess what? They had also died, her two sons. But then Boaz saw Ruth in the field and finally they fell in love. He married her and he continued the line to Jesus through Ruth. Remember Ruth was one of the Gentile women in the ancestry that Matthew has of people leading to the birth of Jesus Christ. Boaz is referred to as her redeemer. And Naomi, who at that time thought her name should be bitter, was now very, very happy because with the marriage of Ruth to Boaz, there was a continuation of the line to Jesus. And that's what verse 11 says. Verse 11 is for any believer because when you are attacked by these people who are inwardly calculating, your Redeemer is strong and he will plead their cause against you. He will defend you. If that doesn't refer to Jesus Christ, I don't know who it does. Remember, prior to the resurrection of Jesus, you had a prosecuting attorney in heaven called the devil. And he was prosecuting you because you were not following the will of God. And many people had the impression, as every religion in the world has outside of Christianity, that you're saved by your works. And they realized their works were not sufficient. And so the prosecuting attorney was attacking them. Jesus, when he was arisen and rose again back into heaven, he became your defense attorney. And therefore, he was your redeemer. He is your redeemer. And he pleads your cause for you. He defends you. How does he do that? Verse 12. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Now, this is Solomon under Holy Spirit using words that refer to the gift of the Holy Spirit. Apply your heart to instruction means follow the discipline of your Lord, which parents are attempting to do as they raise their children. And your ear to words of knowledge. Those words of knowledge are the wisdom of God. 
And, and that's why it's so important to read a biblical book like Proverbs, which has the knowledge as advice for living with your neighbor, giving you first a warning of what to watch out for, but also promising that your Redeemer, Jesus Christ, will defend your cause. Verse 13. This goes back to Solomon's advice to his son. Do not withhold discipline from a child. For if you strike him with a rod, he will not die. This is so important for parents that discipline means kind of giving negative consequences to children who go counter to the will of God. That's how a child is brought up. A child, remember, when they are born, they're born with original sin. And until baptism, they are not aware of the words of the Holy Spirit. And that's what a parent does. He teaches them the words of the Holy Spirit, which are found throughout the Bible. And you discipline a child. When it says you strike with a rod, that doesn't mean you beat him with a stick. For example, my parents, when I disobeyed, my negative consequence was not able to watch a television program I enjoyed or having to go to bed early or not being able to be on the baseball team at school because I had to get home right away. There were various ways of discipline. Those ways of discipline became less and less as I grew up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. For example, after I went to college, I, I don't remember an occasion when I had to be disciplined by my parents. It wasn't that I was sinless, but that I was aware of what their will was in conjunction with that of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, our last verse we're looking at in Proverbs 23. If you strike with the rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Now, what's Sheol? Well, that's the name of the place in the Old Testament that people who died would go to. And in particular, Sheol is the place where the unbelieving people in Noah's day who drowned in the flood that's where they went. When we say in the Apostles' Creed that Jesus descended into hell, we're not referring to the hell he experienced on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you left me alone? No, that was definitely 
an experience of hell where God is no longer present. His father had left him alone. But the hell where that were confessing in the Apostles' Creed occurred after he rose from the dead. He went down to hell. He went to Sheol and proclaimed victory. Victory over sin, death, and the devil. Jesus had become your redeemer, which means he paid the cost for your salvation. By dying on the cross, he suffered the pangs of hell, the desertion from the Father. Why? Because he had your sins upon him. And therefore, in pain for your sins, he became your deliverer. So Solomon, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is making it clear that do not search after riches by being with the rich and the rulers, because some of them are calculating how to make use of you for their own purposes. So be careful of the delicacies which they provide you. And it's also a warning against Christians. So we do not use people for our goals. Proverbs 23, a wonderful passage with advice for living with your neighbor. And this is a neighbor who is calculating inwardly to make use of you rather than truly love you. I'm Tom Baker. Join us tomorrow again at the same time for Law and Gospel. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.